Hi everyone, it's Nigel Travis and I'm sitting here with about 18 inches of snow. If the podcast had become visual, you'd be able to see it. The snow is still coming down. It's the biggest snowstorm we've had in Boston for a long time. So it's very Christmassy, very wintry and probably sums up an interesting 2020. But we feel good at Lake Orient and I hope you do too. Uh, I hope you're going to have a great Christmas and New Year. It will be different from most Christmases and New Year, but I'm going to encourage you to make the best of it. We're going to try and do that at the club. We're looking for some good results. We want you to watch streaming. We want you to have a good time. And most of all, up the O's. Enjoy, everyone. Bye. Oi, oi, Nigel. Oi, oi, everyone. Happy Christmas and welcome to the Orient Outlook podcast, sponsored by AJF Plaster and with myself, Steve Nisbaum. And as always, I'm joined for the last time in 2020 by my good friend, South Stand Chum, the bearded legend, the daddy-o, the one and only... Mr. Paul Levy. Thank you very much indeed, Mr. Nussbaum. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. This is episode number 229. As Steve's just said, it's the last final show of 2020. We've got a real banger for you this week. And thanks to Nigel for sending us that message. We've got plenty more to come in. Uh, But thanks to everyone, first of all, who tuned into last week's show. Uh, This week, we've got, unfortunately, two losses to discuss. We've got loads of fan views, as I'm sure you can imagine, after two losses. They're asking similar questions. Everybody seems to have a similar theme. Every question, every point seems to have a similar theme, and that's around the squad. As it's our Christmas show, the last one of 2020, we have got a number of messages. Nigel was the first uh, message we have, but as you always know by now, we start with our sponsorship um, update uh, and a mention to Adam. And Adam very kindly earlier on recorded us a very quick, uh, well, actually, it's not a very quick message. It's nearly two and a half minutes, but um, it's, it's brilliant content. And here's a message from our podcast sponsor, Adam Francis of AJF Plastering. Good evening, chaps. This is Adam from AJF Plaster and the Orient Outlook podcast sponsors. We would like to wish everybody a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. This year will be a strange one. It won't be a, You won't be able to celebrate the festive period like you usually do. But please, just be positive. Try to enjoy it the best you can, you know, where it's possible. Just FaceTime or Zoom, you know, Zoom chat, the friends and family members that you'd usually see. Like I say, 2020 has been a very strange year, but hopefully 2021 is a better year for everybody. AJF Plaster would like to take this opportunity to thank every fan, staff member and player that's taken on our 15% discount offer and used us for their plastering and rendering. And the good news is that this 15% discount offer isn't going away anytime soon. So for all your plastering and silicon rendering needs, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram by searching AJF Plastering. Or you can visit the website www.ajfplastering.co.uk or you can find me on Twitter by searching for Big Ads, Ads with a Z, L-O-F-C. So Big Ads, L-O-F-C. I'm sure plenty of you have seen me on Twitter, uh, especially at my um, after-game rants at times. Also, we'd like to take this opportunity to thank you, Paul and Steve, for the podcast that you provide for us fans. You don't get paid for it, and you work extremely hard in your spare time to keep us fans up to date with everything that's going on at Brisbane Road. And on a personal level, I've got to see this by... Um, coming into your homes and meeting your families. Um, so I know it takes up a lot of your time, which doesn't, you know, like I say, don't get 
pay for and sometimes goes very unnoticed. You, you know, you provide a podcast for us that keeps us all up to date with stuff that perhaps we don't know, um, that's, you know, what's going on that week. And also some of the interviews you've had with, you know, Nigel Travis, Kent Teague, Ross Embleton, Martin Ling and various others. They've been fantastic listens. So I look forward to your podcast next year, boys. But also on a personal level, I'd like to thank you for how you do promote AJF Plastering. It's a great it's a great partnership and it's going from strength to strength. And it's also given us guys a chance to strike up a really good friendship, which is is hugely important to me. So I'd like to thank you for that. So like I say, I wish everybody a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Please stay safe, keep well, keep calm and listen to the Orient Outlook podcast. See you later, guys. <laughs> That's amazing. I hadn't heard that. That's the only message I hadn't heard coming into this podcast. Adam, you are a legend. Whatever you know, your well wishes that you said to us, it's very well reciprocated. Yeah. You a pleasure working with such a positive company and a positive man uh, like yourself. And, you know, it doesn't go unnoticed by myself and Paul. So thank Absolutely. you, sir, Adam, for that message. He's obviously after my job because he's done a great job of talking about You don't need to do the next bit now, week. mate. But, you know, they do offer a great 50% off discount. Adam's mentioned the way that you can contact him at AJF Plastering. So if you do need any silicone rendering done for the best prices in Essex or anywhere in the land, go and contact Adam at AJF Plastering. So we are full of messages tonight, like Paul has said. We've got another one coming straight up. This man has been a major influence on the Iron Outlook podcast. We paid tribute to him about a month ago when he left working from the club, but we still wanted to get him in on the Christmas special. So ladies and gentlemen, the third message in this bumper episode is from Mr. Howard Gould. Hi, Stephen, Paul. I'd uh, just like to thank you for the invite to wish you guys uh, and all my friends and obviously the co-Orient Outlook listeners a very happy and as merry a Christmas as possible. To state the obvious, it's been a really tough year for many reasons, but the O's family remains strong and I'm sure if we continue to support each other as we do the club, then moving into 2021 can only get better for us all. So we've got to deal with the situation, can't keep moaning all the time. Let's love each other. Use your phone for what it's designed for. So actually speak to somebody on it and uh, rather than just text and tweets, uh, it really does help if you hear a voice at the other end. Um, try and uh, have a great as Christmas as you can um, and let's look forward to 2021 improving all along the way. So thanks a lot, guys. Keep up the good work. Uh, Merry Christmas. Happy New Year and up the O's. Thank you, Howard. That's a fantastic message. And I think uh, Adam's echoed that uh, as well in his previous message about being kind to each other and picking up the phone and being in touch. Because like he says, it's no understatement to say it's been one heck of a year. So thank you very much, Howard. We hope you are safe, well and healthy as well. So let's move on into AOB and a bit of AOB this week, starting with some good news and then moving on to more uh, bad news news so first of all well done to Shadrach Ogi we should have mentioned this last week but we didn't he scored an amazing 30 yard pole driver for his lone club all shot last weekend a superb goal so we wanted to say well done for that and then this weekend he followed it up with another one so well done Shadrach all the shot flying Shadrach flying so well done uh, Shadrach it doesn't go unnoticed so a young O there making great progress in the National League yeah, absolutely. Keep up the great work. We were saddened to learn, though, of the passing of O's steward Gary Day earlier in the week. And we send our condolences 
to his family and friends at this really difficult time. I'm not sure. I, I don't know Gary personally. Uh, I don't recall seeing him. He was possibly on another part of the ground to where we usually go. So uh, conduct sincere condolences to Gary. Rest in peace, our friend, all in yeah. family. Yeah, lots of tributes pouring in there from Gary. And if yeah. anyone's listened to Ross's post-match from yesterday, Ross paid him uh, a lovely tribute at the end of his post-match interview. Uh, bit of good news. We were pleased, or are pleased, to hear of uh, Julian Fern, our friend from the Lowdown podcast. His condition is improving. He's not out of the woods yet, but he is making good progress. We mentioned him in last week's podcast, and we'll continue to mention him, hopefully, until he's all better and out of hospital. So great progress being made by Julian, and we wish you a continued speedy recovery. Yeah, much love to you, Julian, as well. And We also want to wish Julian Lillington a speedy recovery. I picked up on this um, on Twitter earlier today. Uh, He was rushed to hospital yesterday, on Saturday, um, pancreatitis, I think, is what the condition was noted in the tweet. Again, this is slightly um, speculative in the sense that we haven't heard this directly from Julian. But Julian, if you're listening, mate, we wish you a speedy recovery. And Steve, you you took him up on the uh, on the offer of the uh, Christmas tree light tour, right? Yeah, I was in his cab 40, well, 48 hours ago, two nights ago. It feels like ages ago mm. now. But yeah, top man, Julian, lovely cab, lovely company, great tour of London. Um, but obviously won't be doing that <laughs> for a while. Obviously, we're all in tier four. Julian's in hospital. But if you do ever want to do something like that, Julian is the man for you to go to. So from us at Orient Outlook Podcast, we wish Julian, uh, both Julians, speedy yes. recoveries from their hospital beds. So before we move on in to the week that was, let's go back to the Ghosts of Orient Christmas past. We have two <laughs> messages here from some absolute legends, both good friends of, the podcast and if I say the word super Mr Levy you're going to have to say the word back at me super super Kevin Lisby wish every O's fan a very merry Christmas oh no that's Dean Cox spoiler alert here's super Kevin Lisby (laughs) good afternoon this is Kevin Lisby here Um, just a quick message to all the Orion supporters over this um, festive season um, I know times are hard, and I know we're going through a lot, um, lockdown and and obviously everything that's happening at the moment, but I just want to send my best wishes to Orient Football Club. I know we lost yesterday, but so far it's been a good season, and um, with a few more wins, hopefully we can creep up into the, the playoffs. So, um, yeah, I'm all very, very close to all the Orient supporters, very close to my heart. Um, one of the first clubs that I've ever supported, so... Um, this is Kevin Lisby here. Just sending my best wishes and I hope everyone's well and safe. Take care. Bye. Oh, super, Kev. What a ledge. What a nice man. And notice how he says we when he's talking about Orient. Lovely dude. Makes Lovely me dude. proud. Kev, we love you. It's been far too long since we've seen you. So hopefully once this is all over, we'll get to catch up with yeah. Steve and Kev. And I think Paul's kind of... We've kind of spoiled the next... Um, Sorry. Podcast. <laughs> but you love him. We love him. He's tiny, but we don't care. Uh, it's the one and only Dean Cox. Hi, guys. Cox here. Just wanted to wish every O's fan a very Merry Christmas. A very different one this year, obviously, for obvious reasons. But hopefully uh, everyone can enjoy it as, as much as they can. And uh, after the new year, let's hope uh, for some better times really, really soon. But uh, very Merry Christmas from me. Hope you're all well. Miss you all, um, and I'll be sure to 
to come down to a game when uh, when we're allowed a crowd. So yeah, have a good one, everyone. Nice one, Dean. Top man. Be good to see you too, mate. We miss you. Great stuff. What a podcast. In the opening 15 minutes, we had Nigel Bradley say, Adam from HF Plus, Howard Gould, Kevin Lisby and Dean Cox, and it continues to get better as we rolled into the podcast. So let's go on in to the week that was. Coulson Monday, 14th of December. The Women's FA Cup draw was made, and the ladies have been drawn away to Hounslow from the Southern Premier League. The tie is due to be played on Sunday, the 3rd of January. Whether that goes ahead now, uh, with the current tier system remains to be seen but we wish the ladies all the best and we will obviously keep you updated with any changes to the fixtures uh, It was announced also on Monday that London was going to be moved from tier 2 to tier 3 I mean this is now obsolete as we've now yeah. obviously moved into tier 4 but that happened on Monday as well so it meant that obviously yesterday's game against Crawley was a behind closed doors match so let's move on then to, to Huey Tuesday the 15th of December Yeah, let's do it and see the upper department Dupoulos was nominated for the League Football Education Goal of the Month Award for his cracker of a goal against Woking. So, a superb goal. He's scored a couple of good goals in the last month um, for the UC. Yeah, yeah, you're right. But there must have been... I saw Wigan and, Wigan and Oxford. I mean, their goals either must have been better or they, it's just more fans voted uh, for their players. It doesn't mean to say that their goal was any better. Um, but unfortunately, he didn't. He didn't come out top in that in that vote. So, time to the main event on Tuesday as the O's made the trip to Morecambe away. Before we give you the team, someone who goes or has been lucky enough to commentate on every O's game this season, and another friend of the podcast, Mr. David, has sent us a message, and here is Dave's Christmas message. Hi, it's Dave Victor, a.k.a. Dulcet Dave. It's been a year like no other. So much has changed, but the Orient Outlook podcast has remained the same, providing the objective and entertaining voice of the Orient faithful. Thanks for your hard work. Let's hope we'll see you and all the other Orient supporters back at the Bay Group Stadium, Brisbane Road, in the new year. All the best for the Christmas holiday. Take care, stay safe, and up the O's. Thank you, Dave, and thanks for your continued support with the podcast as well. Um, absolutely brilliant, and uh, he's always been there for us. So thank you very much indeed. Yeah, absolutely. So this one kicked off at half six, so the team was announced at the earlier time of half past five. So Lawrence Vigaru in goal. At the back, Sam Ling, Josh Coulson, Dan Happy, and James Brophy. In midfield, Usise, Craig Clay, and Hector Kiprianu. And up top, Connor Wilkinson, Leanne Gold, and Fox in the box, Danny Johnson. On the bench, we had Sam Sargent, Tunji Akinola, Joby McEnough, Josh Wright, James Dayton, Louis Dennis and Ruel Satirian. Yeah, absolutely. So that meant there were two changes from the team who beat Newport County last Saturday. As Joe Widdison, unfortunately, was suspended for a booking that he'd picked up in that game. And Joby McEnough dropped to the bench. In came Lee Angle and Hector Kiprianu. And... For me, I'm not keen on Brophy at left-back. I've said it a couple of times, I think. But we obviously, we don't have any other left-back options. Otherwise, for me, that's a decent side. Yeah, I think I agree with you. I don't, I don't really like Brophy at left-back just because he's so good going forward. And I think if that happens when Willowson is suspended, if you're not going to play Akinola there or Thomas, who obviously right-sided defenders, then you have to change formation, I think, because Angle isn't a left-forward, really, for me. Neither is Satiru. Um But other than that, not many complaints from me with the team. 
I would have started Joby and taken Joby off after an hour if he was only going to make the bench. Uh, and it was good to see Josh Wright back on the bench. I thought he may have had a point to prove if he would have been able to get on um, the pitch. But obviously, we'll come on to the match shortly. But a few more messages coming up. Firstly, this is an Orient Outlook debut for our Chilean uh, goalkeeper. Made a superb impact at the O's. Here is a Christmas message from Lawrence Vigaru. Hi, Lawrence Vigaru here. Want to wish the Orient Outlook a very Merry Christmas and just to keep up the good work. Thank you very much indeed, Lawrence. And apparently he speaks Spanish, but apparently in the changing room he doesn't really mention it that much. <laughs> he, you know when you hear some people talk and you're like, I think they'd be really good at singing. I think Lawrence Vigaru would be very, very good at singing. We have to get him on the podcast soon and try not, and get him to sing. You should get him on your Fantastival podcast. Nice plug. I should get him on my Fantastival mm, podcast. If anyone's listening who hasn't listened, go and listen to the Fantastival podcast while we take a week break later on. Thank you for mentioning that, Mr. You're Lee. welcome. You're welcome. Somebody, <laughs> somebody who has been on the podcast more recently, we really enjoyed <laughs> so uh, about three or four weeks ago, was young Hector Kiprianu, and he's back. He loved it so much, he just had to send us a Christmas message. Hi, Orion Outlook. This is Hector Kiprani from Leyton Orient. I want to wish you a Merry Christmas and I hope you have a good day. Thank you, Hector. And the same to you. Love it. Love it. So the tweets came rolling in at 5.31 to us at Orient Outlook. <laughs> Graham G, 1484-3952 said, In Ross, we trust. I think our squad is one of the strongest in the division, but I'm always confident. Mark Ros 67185082 said, can't argue with the starting 11, but how many people would rather have JMD on the bench over Dayton? And I have to say, I am inclined to agree. The impact that Jordan has when he comes on is far more significant than what James Dayton has. And that's no disrespect to James in any way, shape or form. It's just proven by the crosses that uh, Jordan puts in, by the, you know, the finishing and, uh, that he provides as well. So, yeah, very much inclined to agree with Mark there. Yeah, good tweet. Orient fan TV said, no JMD, possibly, maybe off in January. McEnough is possibly being rested. Angle needs to step up. He's been given chances, but not impressed. And I think we'll talk about Angle a bit more on this podcast, but Angle, Saturiu are in awkward situations because they're centre-forwards. They're not left They're not left forwards. They're not right forwards. So I think we have to remember a point is that they're, they are playing well, well out of position. And, you know, it's positioning, it's the timing of runs, it's the decisions on the ball. But I think they found it really tough. And I'm, we'll, we'll, I know we're going to speak about the angle later in the podcast. Cool. Paul Ravens 39 said, it's proof as if we needed it that this squad was built quite poorly in places. The fact uh, that with Widdison out, the only option is to put Brophy at left-back shows really incompetent squad planning. So, the match kicked off at the early time of half six, like we've mentioned, and we'll fast forward straight to the 18th minute as the O's took a deserved lead through top marksman Fox in the box, Danny Johnson. Simply a fantastic move. Starts with a back pass to Vigaru. Vigaru passed into Happy. Happy drove forward, played a beautiful crossfield pass straight to Conor Walkinson, who looked up one touch straight to the pass to Hector Kipriano, who was making a forward one. He crossed it into the box. Straight into the path of Danny Johnson, finished it first time past the keeper, 1-0. For me, what a well, well worked goal, started from the back, total football. 100% Brilliant agree. Goal. 100%. Brilliant goal. Yeah, absolutely. We've not done that enough. 
that sorry, we've not done that goal enough justice in our um, reenact or our redescription of that. But I do absolutely agree with you, Steve, about total football. Um, like more, like to see a lot more of that, please. I don't see why we can't. I think we made that look very easy. Another goal for Danny Johnson. And talking to Danny Johnson, guess what? He's on your own podcast. He's not. He's re- oh, he is. He really is, guys. Here is a message from Super Forward Danny Johnson. It's Danny Johnson. I'd like to wish all the listeners and to everyone at the Orient Outlook a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Legend. Legend in the making, that man. I mean, 15 Orient goals by Christmas and we've still got another two games of this season to go within this year. Yeah. Quite phenomenal, really. Keep going, Danny. Well done on your season so far. There was a penalty shout from Morecambe and the half hour mark as the referee judge that the ball had hit Ustisay's chest. Yeah, but... Yeah, since going behind, Morecambe piled on the pressure and Dan Happy had to be alert in the 39th minute as Stockton's effort was goal-bound, but fortunately Happy made sure it didn't cross the line. Yeah, Leanne Goal picked up a booking just before half-time. Two minutes of time added on and played out as the teams went in. 1-0 to the Orient. I mean, we made such a great start in this game. We scored a great goal. I think we were all expecting to push on, but since we scored the goal, we kind of sat back and Morecambe got more and more uh, involved in the game and started putting us under pressure. So at 1-0, I think we were happy to go in at 1-0, but a bit worried that since the goal, we hadn't capitalised on it really. That's right. There were no changes at half-time and with barely five minutes on the second half clock, Connor Wilkinson's uh, Connor Wilkinson hit a free kick that unfortunately was just a tad bit too high and it cannoned off the bar. First time I saw that, I thought the keeper had it well covered. But the more I see it, I don't think the keeper was actually getting it. If it no. was like a two inches more to the left, great free kick. Yeah, great technique there from Connor with the with the staggered run up. Unlucky there, but fifty six minutes were on the clock with Morecambe equalised as their captain Sam Lavelle managed to scramble the ball home from a corner, following a superb Lawrence Vigoury save from a goal bound looping header. I mean that was an amazing save and then a bit of a scramble when it comes to their captain who smashed it. In. And suddenly it's one all, 56 minutes gone. Absolutely. Terrible defensively there. A poor goal from our perspective to give away. I don't know why we can't clear the ball well enough when it's in and around our box. I can see Connor Wilkinson getting stuck in. I can see Josh, uh, Josh Coulson was there. I don't understand how their man's been able to get there first to the ball to poke it home and how we haven't cleared it. I honestly don't understand that. Um, but Craig Clay picked up a booking in the 67th minute for, for, for preventing a quick free kick. Yeah, double sub for the O's in the 66 minutes. Leanne Gold was replaced by Royal Satiris. That was the like for like swap. And Joby McEnough came on for Hector Kipriano again in a like for like swap. Yeah, Morecambe took the lead in the 72nd minute, though, as Will Dig played a fantastic ball which split the O's defence to find Carlos Mendez Gomez, who had time and space to smash it past Lawrence Vigoru to make it 2 1, despite the O's feebly appealing for offside. <laughs> Last week we spoke about Van Schaffershoff from Bristol Rovers, a great name. Carlos Mendes Gomez is another name. If we were getting signing players on names, I'd love Carlos Mendes Gomez on, at the Orient. On the Morecambe Twitter feed, it's we've got JMD, they've got CMG. Like it. Yeah. Love it, love it. I mean, he finishes well there. That is a superb ball um, yes. played in, uh, by Wildy, which completely splits the defence. Happy seemed very slow to react to the ball going past him and it's almost kind of like standing still whilst appealing off for offside before Mendes actually takes the shot on which was disappointing Vigoru no chance even though he gets his hands to it mm. and suddenly from being comfortable 1-0 playing some brilliant football early on with 2-1 down 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Happy switched off there and their man's got him behind him. It's poor from us, but credit to Morecambe. As you say, that pass was top class, you know, beautifully lifted over the top. And, and Gomez, to be fair, his first touch to control that ball was excellent. Um, and, he's, and he's dispatched his shot really well there. So that, that's, that's a good goal for them, but a poor one for us to concede. Um, yeah, I mean, we, we, you know, I guess we'll come on to it, but Morecambe are a much, much improved side this season. They went to Colchester yesterday and turned them over, so they've had another great result against the, against a good team there. So, four minutes later, a, a let-off for us. It was almost 3-1. Super Bowl over the top again. Found Mendes Gomez, but this time he couldn't get it in the net. He headed over. Yeah, third sub for Orient followed in the 77th minute as Louis Dennis replaced Craig Clay. Yeah, nothing to talk about for the next six minutes. We got to the 83rd minute, another sub for Ross. He brought off Usise and brought on James Dayton. Yeah, took yeah took off Cease and brought on Dates, and then Ruel got booked in the 86th minute for clashing with Songo. Yeah, six minutes of time were added on, so, you know, 90 minutes, six go up. We're all hopeful, thinking, come on, let's get a last-minute equaliser. Uh, but the rest of the game was played out as Morecambe came from behind to win 2-1, ensure their five-game unbeaten home record in all competitions was intact as they took three points and also leapfrogged us in the league. Yeah, absolutely. So, the league table as it stood after that loss sees us drop out of the playoffs and down to 10th as we've now played 18 games. We've won eight, drawn three, lost seven. We've still got a positive goal difference of plus five and we're now on 27 points. So for me, my views after that game, sounds like we only did well for a real short period of the game and having taken the lead, we took our foot off the gas. We allowed them to take control, we allowed them to dominate and I don't understand why our mindset changed mid-game when we'd been doing so well. Had we gone too hard too soon? and not reserved energy for the whole 90 minutes. Two disappointing goals to concede. The whole team need to closely review how we've not done better on at least one of those goals. It's always disappointing to lose, but at this point, it's not the end of the world. Looking back, I think I was quite annoyed, actually, because my views are quite short. Um, <laughs> so it's quite interesting to read these back in hindsight. So I, I, put, I was really disappointed. I mean... This game was off the back of the Newport performance, which I think undoubtedly for me was one of the performances of the season where we played really well, we beat the team who were top, we kind of shifted that view that Orient couldn't beat anyone above them in the table. We go a goal up early, played some brilliant football, scored a brilliant goal, and then we freeze. And I, <laughs> I wrote, it's the hope that kills you. We go a goal up, you're thinking we beat Newport, we're going to beat Morecambe, we're going to be sitting pretty in the playoff places. And then two hours later, you're thinking about how rubbish football is and how typical Leighton Orient are. Um, but again, we sit here talking about a defeat in a game which we should probably have won and at least not got a draw out of. So really disappointing. As you can imagine, the Twitter feed or an Outlook podcast house has been off the scale this week. So many tweets coming into us and this is very important as it always is just because we mention a tweet does not mean we agree with a tweet we read them out to get as much balance as we can Stroud Greenover was the first to get his tweet in he said I couldn't help but feel we were just being teased with that sheer dominance in the first 20 minutes hugely deflating aftermath but I'm going to try to cling on to the positives we have that in our locker and we just need to learn how to sustain it hashtag straws clutching Paul the Cali man said complete bottle jobs, no heart, desire, passion and fight and I would love to stand in front of them and tell them that. Quite annoyed. No, well, well, 
Harsh, I don't know. I mean, Ross can only do so much and the staff can only do so much. Once the players cross the white line, it is on them to, to deliver. And if we can go hard for 20 minutes but not for for longer or, or, or to manage a game better, then maybe someone needs to shout and stamp their feet a bit. I don't know Ross's style. I can't imagine. He's, he's not. He's quite a calm guy. He's, he's not that kind of guy. But, yeah. Yeah, Jagsy, 1979 mentions a word that we're going to hear a lot of tonight need to eliminate this inconsistency that's been plaguing us win a few lose and draw a few but for that to happen we need to stop making stupid mistakes and practically gifting goals to the opposition yeah Parksy 1881 said there's no point playing 20 minutes of awesome football and not putting teams to the sword Morecambe stuck at it and did a job on us the ref seemed to miss five minutes when injury time was announced perhaps the ref from Saturday took it in advance Questions to be answered. Great point about not putting teams to the sword. I think Ross has mentioned that quite a few times, as have we uh, in the podcast. Uh, Ollie underscore Sonnenfield says, Today goes to show how important January is if we're serious about being promoted. We can't be bringing on National League quality like Dayton. The occasional one said, Clueless, you can see from 30 minutes onwards something needed changing quickly. Poor, but we move on. Alan Reeves too has not been happy in recent weeks. He tweeted us and said, Garbage, may as well copy this tweet for next week. One, beyond a joke that JMD doesn't make the squad. He must be on his way. Two, Brophy at left back with a face palm emoticon. Three, what is the point of our loan players? They may as well go back to their clubs. And four, possession stats don't win games. I mean, all good and valid points, I would say, after that defeat. Absolutely. Stephen Orion said, we're not a good team. League is of a poor standard. We rarely put a decent performance in for more than 45. Really hope we can improve, but Ross Embleton rarely has us playing good football and we are inconsistent as this game showed. Steve Chaplin forced boss the first 25 minutes but lacked the killer instinct to get the second. Didn't get going at all in the second half. Two bad goals to give away and in the end we didn't create enough. That's a good point. I mean, Danny Johnson scores and I don't think we mentioned Danny Johnson at all for the rest of the game. Mm. Daniel underscore D44 said that was absolute rubbish. We started so well, scored and then st- just stopped playing. The amount of times we gave the ball away was embarrassing. I don't know how we go from that to sec- uh, from that second against Newport to this second half against Morecambe. Chalk and cheese. David Sears Freeze. Absolutely shocking defending in that second half. Outfall in the second half by a team that we made look ordinary in the first 25 minutes. I still can't believe that JMD isn't an option on the bench. But Dayton is, despite offering absolutely nothing when he comes on. Another tweet there against Dayton. I mean, I think Dayton is being... People are being a bit harsh on Dayton, I feel. Like I've said in this podcast, Dayton is an essential midfielder. He's also not a right forward. So I don't know what people are expecting from James Dayton. Same with JMD, for me anyway. Molly Folly 2019 said, A defeat 100% down to Embleton. Wrong formation and tactics. No plan B. A stubbornness to start Brophy at left back and to keep him there. We could be promoted with a manager with half a brain, but we haven't got a manager. That was a winnable game. How frustrating. And actually, that's really harsh and unkind, and I don't agree with anything that Darren says there. Trousers, Technos. is a poor, poor, poor performance, beaten by a poor team and more organisation, more effort, and a strategy. When you're on top, you go for the jugular, not take it easy, as we did. Play in that manner, and you lose more than you win, as commitment always 
Trump's lazy. Yeah, Glenn underscore Neil said, we started so well, created good chances and then scored. What happens next can only be instruction from the bench. Sit back and try to play it around the back, invite them on, and guess what? They score. With their towels up, they push on and get the second. No response from us. Good point there, Glenn. Interesting point about instructions. I mean, we haven't mentioned Ross's post-match, which is available uh, on the club's YouTube channel, but Ross mentioned that the players didn't follow instructions in the second half. So, mm. for me, that was a little concerning because if they're not, surely you, you know, shout out to Colson, who's captain, getting over to the touchline and say, Josh, can you have a word with the players, please, because they're not doing what I'm saying. And that, that was what Ross was implying happened in the second half where they didn't really follow what the game plan was at all, uh, speaking of instructions. So, an interesting tweet there from Glenn at Richie J. Bourne. Said shocking second half against a team with plenty of fire but no quality except for Joby. The subs offered nothing, certainly not game changers. Three points given away. I thought Dayton did well today, brought him on. Yeah, Adam E. Woodenhead said playing broke hit left back is an absolute waste of time. We've got Thomas Arakinola, could easily fill in for Wids. I don't know what Ross sees that I don't playing him there. I'd rather play three at the back. And do you know what? Actually, this one uh, stands out for me because I don't. Uh, a few people have said about well they're right footed players but ultimately the job is still the same just on the opposite side so all they've got to do is really think actually I've got to bring the ball over to my right side or I'm tracking on the opposite side someone did explain that to um, someone did explain that either to us in an interview or on one of the club's interviews about the difference of sides when you're on a left back to a right back but ostensibly it's the same set of duties and the same care and diligence that you have to make and expectations it's just a different foot so for me, I'd also rather than putting Brophy at left back, personally, I'd rather have Jordan Thomas at left back or Sam Ling at left back and Jordan Thomas at, or, or, or Akinola at right back, personally. Yeah, not a bad shout there at all. Orient it is. They stood off us. We passed around them and scored. They didn't chase. Hurried us and we had no idea how to deal with it. We had no plan B, such had no impact. But the formation with one up front essentially wasn't working, but we just carried on and the result flattered us. Uh, Les LK52 said a game of four quarters the first quarter we dominated possession other three quarters all Morecambe two concerns for me one other than the goal nothing on target and two no plan B when chasing a game I'd like to see a Harold Stroke Alabi type player come in just to do something different and go long ball Kids down to know I don't know what everyone is, is expecting to be honest we're a mid-table side putting in mid-table performances, getting mid-table results. We won't go anywhere until we can play for more than 45 minutes at a time. And we won't do that until we shift half the squad. Pandemonium1881 said a few things. Frustrating, a great win Saturday has to be followed up with a positive result if we're going to challenge. The draw is good enough and after a superb first 20, it makes it doubly annoying. JMD, you don't have to be qualified to work out what's happened. End of on that one. Defensively, we're still fragile. Double-edged sword. Stay as we are and we're mid-table. Tighten up and we start hitting the top seven consistently. Cissé needs to sort it quick. Going through the motions. And Brophy at left back. Nothing we could really do with that tonight with Joe Widdison suspended. Hashtag bad night. Yeah, good set of tweets there. Thank you, Matt. At Stuart, 1973. So like I said a few weeks ago, the division is the division and week on week no one is setting the bar and no team is consistent and everyone is beating each other that's league two for you as for the squad and why is this play in and not another well that's the manager's decision end off Stonemeister says such a shame after a great start we saw the truly good and truly woeful side of our team tonight there is no shortage of ability but they need to develop the killer instinct see teams off 
when we are top and tighten up at the back. There is still plenty to smile about. Jay Boy, 4-4-4-4. This is a second half of poor performances. Need to learn. When up north, you, play, you need to play with grit and spirit and grind out that ugly, dirty win. I'm beginning to think that inconsistency from some of the squad will lead to a mid-table season. This squad should be top six at least. And the final word this week goes to Masters underscore James D. Tonight is a microcosm of our season, a short period of dominance followed by an inability to capitalise. We're too inconsistent, one step forward, two steps back, and we don't produce enough 90-minute performances, and until we do, we'll be stuck repeating this cycle. So thank you to James there. I hope your new arrival is doing well. Yes. You some lovely, beautiful big words in your tweet there, James. Thank yes. you very much for sending that in to us. Um, and those were all the tweets that came into at Orient Outlook after the Morecambe game. So time for the Design Cadby Prediction League update. So James Cadby at Design Cadby, a new company with us here at Orient Outlook Podcast. They started sponsoring the Prediction League at the beginning of the season. So here is James Cadby's Christmas message. All right, lads, it's James Cadby, a.k.a. Design Cadby, a.k.a. the Prediction League sponsor, a.k.a. the original second 15% off discount sponsor for the Orient Outlook. After yesterday's horrendous game, I don't have a lot to say about that, but what I can say is that you have a company or business and you want to freshen up your brand, I'm here for you. I'm talking logos, branding, advertising, printing, websites, animation, videos, everything. Just look me up on Twitter, at DesignCadby. That's at DesignCadby, and just drop me a message. But more importantly, I want to wish all the O's fans a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. It's been a rough year, but things will improve. The virus will pass, and the O's will get promoted. Oi, oi, up the O's. <laughs> Brilliant message, James. Thanks very much for that. Great to have you on board with us. So, as he says, he specialises in company branding, advertising, print, digital, logo design... Uh, And all Orient fans and staff get a 15% discount. Uh, He's already told you where you can find him, at Design Cadby, on all social medias, or you can email him, hello at jamescadby.com. So kudos to the following this week. Stephen Orient, who predicted the correct result, and he got three points. But extra, extra special well done to John McNaby. Macnabo, sorry, and Stroud-Greeno, who predicted the correct result, and DJ to score. So you all get, so you both get four points. We'll do a top of the table roundup at the end of this podcast. So that wraps up Morecambe away. Yeah, let's keep it going. So Wednesday, the sixteenth of December, a quiet day at the O's with no news to report. And the twenty-four, sorry, the seventeenth of December, the Thursday was happy twenty-fourth birthday to Sam Ling. Yeah, happy birthday, Sam. So moving on into Mooney Friday, the 18th of December. We wish a happy heavenly birthday to former O's gaffer, Justin Edinburgh. So Charlie Edinburgh was very nice enough to send us a Christmas message from him and his family. And here's what Charlie had to say. Hello, O's fans and listeners of the Orient Outlook podcast. It's Charlie Edinburgh here wishing you all a very Merry Christmas and a happy and successful new year. Um, obviously, a very bizarre year for everybody and not one that we would have ever envisaged, but hopefully we're through the, th- the thick of it and the worst of it now and we can look forward to a, a really successful 2021. Um, thank you a- again to all Orient fans and all listeners of the podcast for your continued support for me and my family. Um, we wish you all 
As I say, from the Edinburgh household, a very Merry Christmas. We'll be raising a glass to Dad, that's for sure, and um, take care. Charlie, thank you, mate, for that, and continue the great work that you and the J3 Foundation uh, are doing. And uh, thanks for sending us that message. Much appreciated. Yeah, brilliant message there. Thank you to Charlie. Also, on Friday, the club announced that the home match against Southland United on Tuesday, the 29th of December, would be kicking off at the earlier time of 7 p.m. Yeah, Saturday the 19th of December as we move on now. It was JE3 Day in honour of the late, great Justin Edinburgh. Yeah, great to see over the weekend, you know, Newport, respect, like, showing yeah. their respect. A lot of premiership clubs showing their respect as well. Obviously, Tottenham uh, have done so. I've seen quite a few managers wearing the JE3 Foundation badge. And mm. Like you've mentioned, amazing work there by Charlie and the family. We hope that continues to, to pick up momentum and speed in twenty. 21. In the morning, the youth team were in league action. They were away at Stevenage, and after going two goals down, they got back to two all with goals from Jaheim White and Stark. Um, so, good comeback there from the Yungos. Two all, very respectable, especially after being two down. Absolutely. Love a comeback. The main event of the day was Crawley at home. Before the game, as always, on a Thursday evening or afternoon, we run a Twitter poll to get your thoughts on how you think the O's will get on. Uh, and after a bit of a low vote here, only 149 of you uh, voted in 24 hours. 23% thought of you thought we would lose. 27% thought we'd draw. And for those that are quick at maths, the other 50% thought we'd win. As always, thank you very much for all your votes. Yeah. Thank you for all your votes in that one. As Paul said, a bit low, but still 149 votes is not too bad. So earlier in the podcast, you heard from Dulcet Dave Victor, his right-hand man, his comedy partner, uh, <laughs> his partner in commentary of Orient Live and BBC London, is the mighty Matt Hiscock. He, we had him on about two weeks ago. He was brilliant. And he yeah. is superb Christmas message. Hi everyone, this is Matt Hiscock from the Orient Live commentary team. Just want to wish everyone a Merry Christmas and everyone connected with the club good health for 2021. Look forward to seeing you all back at Brisbane Road as soon as possible. Let's get behind Ross and the boys, important few months ahead and hopefully we might have something to celebrate come May time. Remember, your team's for life, not just for Christmas. <laughs> Brilliant message and one to keep in mind uh, over the course of this next short period Matt thank you mate much appreciated good to have you involved with this podcast um, you were absolutely tremendous as Steve rightly said so the team for that uh, was announced at 2 o'clock with Lawrence Vigor in goal Sam Ling Josh Coulson Dan Happy Joe Widdison with a back four Cissé McEnough Clay across the middle Brophy Angle and Johnson with a front three the on substitutes were Sam Sargent Tunjiak Akinola, Hector Kipriano James Dayton uh, Louis Dennis Jordan Maguire Drew and Ruel Satoriu yeah, so that meant there were two changes uh, from the Morecambe lineup as Joe Widowson uh, and Joby McEnough returned to the starting eleven in place of Connor Wilkinson, who was injured, and Hector Kiprianu. So for me, a decent team there. Interesting to see JMD back in the squad. I think it was his first feature since Dunfold away. So he's missed quite a bit of football. Good to see him back on the bench. And lots of attacking on options on that bench. Mm. You look at the bench there, you go, you know, Dayton, Dennis, JMD and Satirio. So 
you know, good four options there should we need them at that point. Your views on, on the uh, on the team? Yeah, I agree with you. Conversely to that, though, there was only one defender on that bench, so clearly Ross was looking to have a go. Uh, really, for me, a team that should get a result. Good to have Wooderson back at left-back after his suspension Bro- and having, therefore, Brophy further up the field. Just hope uh, Connor Wilkinson's injury isn't too bad. He um, sort of had a bit of a, I think, a knock in training or something was being rested as a as a major precaution there, just to make sure that he wasn't out throughout the Christmas period. But yeah, no, no reason why that team on paper cannot get a, could not get a result against Crawley. So before we talk about the match that was, you've mentioned Connor Wilkinson. And funny I enough, as luck would have it, he's oh. making his own outlook. Oh, anyone would think we'd have planned this, Steve. Absolutely. And so here, here <laughs> is. Connor Wilkinson. Hi there to everyone at Orient Outlook. Connor Wilkinson here. Just want to wish you a Merry Christmas and hopefully you have a Happy New Year. Take care and stay safe. Thank you very much indeed, Connor. First time we've heard from him, hopefully not the last, uh, but great to have him on the podcast as well. And we can't be having plays on the podcast about having the super four-headed legend, the man that we all love, super Joshy Coulson. Hi everyone, Josh Colson here. Just want to wish the boys at Orient Outlook Podcast a Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Hope you have a great one and I look forward to seeing you in the new year. Thank you very much indeed, Josh. So special that we've named a day in our podcast planner after you. Brilliant stuff. Also interesting to note that Josh Wright's brother, Mark, had signed for Crawley. Don't believe he's going to be playing just... Well, he didn't play yesterday, obviously. Uh, I don't believe he's going to be playing for a couple more weeks yet. But, you know, has potential on the reverse fixture. Yeah, well, yeah, well picked up on that. I hadn't even thought of that. So, again, the team gets announced at 2. At 2.01, our phones start going mental <laughs> notifications. Dan Alton, 2590, says, Gutted Wilkinson's out. So important to the team. Another chance for Angle, though. But on the right of the front three, question mark. I'm not sure. Would prefer JMD or Satiriu there. Fair enough. Underscore Shivan Pathak said, would have loved to see Kipriano in midfield instead of Cissé. Really enjoyed watching him playing the EFL trophy before the red card forced him to go centre-back. Delighted that JMD is back on the bench. I think we'll miss Wilco. Good to see Joby starting. Hector doesn't deserve to be dropped unless he's carrying an op. I hope the defence plays better than Tuesday nights. Uh, Lou Bear 84 said Kips should be starting. Would like to have seen JMD start. Happy he is on the bench though. Time for Angle to show us what he can do. I mean, Lee Angle in fits and spurts has been okay. Um, he's just been injured and, and that curtailed a lot of what he could do this season. So, I think, I think later on, I think a few people might, well, they do start to sort of criticise him, but I think he needs to be given a bit more time, personally. He had a fantastic pre-season, Leanne yes. but, and this is my caveat, his pre-season was spent playing as a centre-forward, not as a right-forward. Yeah. So, you know, I'm not saying he's a well-beater centre-forward, but I, we're not going to see the best of Leanne goal where... He is being currently being played. So the match kicked off on a wet day at Brisbane Road against the O's bogey side, Crawley Town, with Orient having won their last four home league games. Last winning five in a row at home in the EFL in April 2013 in League One. That was taken from the Skybet League Two Twitter feed. So the O's having a chance to equal home winning run in the league for the first time since 2013. Yeah, very quiet and subdued opening to the first 14 minutes and uh, Joe Widdison conceded a foul on our left-hand side and Sam Matthews whipped the free kick in. 
Unfortunately, Josh Coulson was the one following one-time loanee Tony Craig into the box and nodded the ball past the stranded Lawrence figure and into the back of the net as the visitors took the lead. Unlucky, I think, there. Josh just sticks his head out, hits yeah. the giant forehead straight into the back of the net. I mean, it was a really disappointing kind of first 15, 15 minutes, really. It was a really kind of slow tempo to the game. Crawley weren't really coming forward too much. It was a bit sloppy. A few mistimed passes here and there. I think both teams finding it hard to get into the groove um, of the game. And, yeah, an own goal early on. Horrible. Yeah, I agree with you. It was unlucky with Josh there. I mean, he's facing goal looking at goal and, and unfortunately that's where the ball's gone in. Um, decent free kick, good goal for them to be fair. Uh, that was a good free kick, it had pace and power on it. So either Tony Craig was going to do it or or Josh Coulson was, I think, in those situations. I've seen them before. 22 minutes on the clock now. The O's won our first corner of the match. Joby McEnough swung the ball in from the right and Dan Happy's goal-bound header was cleared by Tunnicliffe. This is, the, this is kind of one of the moments you're thinking, we've scored an own goal, they've cleared the head off the line, it's going to be one of those days already, we're only 22 minutes mm. gone. Some decent pressure followed from the O's, we started to find a few better passes, started to put a bit under pressure, Sam Lee couldn't get on the end of a Joby McEnough free kick, it was just slightly too high for him, and from the following corner, from James Brophy on the right, Glenn Morris completely flapped at it, uh, got nowhere near it, but Crawley managed to clear it. Yeah, James Brophy put a cross in from the left in the 40th minute. The ball eventually came to Lee Angle, who made Glenn Morris make the save from a tight angle. Good save, that. Brophy was starting to have much more of an influence on the game as the half went on. Angle didn't really have a great angle to shoot, but done well to get his shot away. But Morris made a good save, as you'd expect. But the O's equalised just a minute later. Another own goal in the game. James Brophy crossed the ball in from the left. The ball came to Joby McEnough in the box on the right. He took a shot which was definitely heading on target. Dallison deflected it past Glenn Morris, and it was 1-1. I think that makes up for the bad luck that we had. I think Joe McAfee would be quite unlucky that he doesn't get awarded the goal there because the shot's going on target, I think. Hmm. Uh, but Dallison beats the keeper. Yeah, credit to Joe Widdison, though, who drove forward and set Brophy on his way with a real, real perfectly weighted pass that cut out two Crawley players. I mean, that was that shouldn't be overlooked because without that pass, that goal doesn't come about. Yeah, fair shout Fair shout. So back in the game, two minutes of time added on. Dan Happy was booked as the half-time whistle went with the teams tied at one all. For me, a bit slow, a bit poor at parts in the game. Um, and I thought Crawley were there for the taking and the game was crying out for JMD. Angle was looking a bit frustrated. He didn't really do much apart from that one shot that we mentioned earlier. And he kind of thinking, come on, get JMD on and really, really take the game to him and let's attack him and go for it in the second half. Spring, Lin, uh, Spring Lynette said both teams scoring own goals just shows the lack of quality on show today. One of the dullest 45 minutes of football for a while. The menace, 1881. So I normally save my afternoon out for 4pm <laughs> Premier League game on a Sunday, but I may need to reset. <laughs> the second half kicked off with no subs for the O's and a big chance came in the 47th minute as Glenn Morris denied Lee Angle from close range. I haven't seen that chance back, but I'd like to see it again. I think he should have scored that, if I remember rightly. 49th minute, Brophy at it again, beats his defender, drills a low shot. Morris turned it behind for a corner. So, a good, intentful start in the first five minutes of the second half. But I think that's as good as it gets, really, is Mr. Levy. Yeah, nothing to talk about until the 72nd minute as Dan Happy sold Lawrence Vigarou short and Nadison. Uh, headed the ball across goal to Waters, who headed over the bar despite Crawley appeals for a penalty. Yeah, I, 
I've seen him given a point. I didn't think it was, but I've, I've seen him given at this point. Crawley, I must admit, did look like the team who you're thinking are probably going to score the next goal. A 73rd minute, a minute later, in the first sub for the O's, as J&D came on for Liango. Liango was clashing uh, with Dallison quite a lot, and you're thinking he probably needs to come off it because he's going to get sent off um, if it continues. So he was brought on. J&D came on. It was interesting, actually, because Ross said when he brung um, J&D on, he makes, he makes a formation change when two comes on slightly later. That will come on to, but JMD comes on. 78th minute, Crawley almost took the lead as Nichols had a tremendous effort from distance. They had lots of vigorous beaten, but it crashed off the underside of the bar. Yeah, just to come back to your um, to the penalty shout earlier, I think it's probably we didn't make it clear enough that Lawrence Vigoru challenged uh, Waters to that, which is why they were appealing for a penalty. But as you say, um, and and your uh, just to come back to the. Uh, the the latest comment. I think it's a real stroke of luck for us that um, that underside of the bike came off. I mean, they were threatening, as you say, but it's a superb effort on their part. 79 minutes on the clock, second substitution for Orient as Hector Kiprianu came on for Us Cisse, and it was the third shortly after in the 82nd minute as Ruel Satoru came on for Joe Widdison as James Brophy went to left back and Ruel to the left hand side of the attack. Very late for those subs there. 10 minutes left I don't know maybe you could have made those earlier that would be my only criticism of Ross there but any time you take Joe Widdison off to put James Brophy at left back you're opening up this whole Brophy left back Brophy left forward whole discussion starts again and you're thinking if we win then Ross is going to get lauded as a great tactician but if we lose there's going to be some criticism yeah, I mean, for me, I don't know why we could not necessarily revert to a 3-4-3. I think in Ross's post-match, which unfortunately we're not going to play that particular part of, he does state about him going to a diamond more with JMD behind yes, uh, front top, two yeah. um, and obviously Hector uh, sitting in front of the back four. Um, but for me, maybe go 3-4-3 so we still keep Brophy up top where he's more effective and we've still got three strikers, three striking or three attacking players, and and sort of leave you know the likes of Sam Ling, Josh Coulson, Dan Happy as, as as a back three for the last 10, 12, 14 minutes of the game. You know we're losing already. Um, no, sorry, we're, we're, we're about to yeah. Yeah, I mean James Brophy yeah. had been by far and away our best attacking threat in that game yesterday. You just need to look back on the highlights of what we ruled off. Everything went through Brophy. Um, on the left, and to see him push back was disappointing. Well, at this point, he hadn't done anything in half hour because it was pretty much all yeah. Crawley. I think we can agree. And in the 82nd minute, Crawley took the lead. As a misplaced JMD pass under pressure from two Crawley players was very well worked up the pitch very quickly. The ball eventually came to uh, Nadison on the right, who just beat James Brophy to the ball, putting a great first time trust to the league's second top scorer, Waters who literally was in acres of space between Happy and Coulson, very close range, who found the back of the net, smashed it past Vigoru, and it's 2-1. And for me, it, it had been coming, I have to say. For me, it was coming. Yeah, I mean, that, that's, that was, for me, a terrible, terrible goal to concede. I thought that we could have done a lot, lot better there. Um, poor pass from JMD, obviously. He was under pressure. Beaten to the, uh, Brophy was beaten to the ball. Didn't do enough to stop the cross. And between Dan Happy and Josh Coulson, neither picked up Waters, like the second leading marksman um, on, in, in, in the division at the moment. How does that happen? Either, Coul- either Josh needs to warn Dan or Josh needs to, or 
uh, Josh needs to deal with it because he's the one that's got eyes on. Either that or Dan Happy needs to be more aware on who's who as to who's on his shoulder. So, yeah, e- either way, I think we should have done an awful lot better there. We're looking at the defending part again. That's really poor defending. I think if you're a Crawley fan oh. or Crawley manager, you're going, that's a very well-worked goal. But yes. yeah, between Happy and Coulson... I think they both expect Brophy to win the ball, and we talk about it with James uh, Short in the interview that's coming up shortly. I think they both think Brophy's going to win it, and they're both not really 100% ready for the ball to come in. And yeah, there needs to be some shout from Coulson to Happy to say, look, he's behind you, mate, or Coulson needs to react quicker. So, really poor goal there, like you said, to concede. So, 2 1 down, and nothing of note to talk about for the remaining 90 minutes. Five minutes of time were added on the board. But what has almost made it through one, he was denied by Lawrence Vigor, a good save with his legs. No chances for the O's. The full-time whistle went as the O's winning home run came to an end. Crawley took the three points. They win the game 2-1. Uh, Paul mentioned, we're going to play a snippet of um, Ross's interview. It's quite interesting when he was talking about the transfer window coming up. But if you do not watch the whole interview, it's available on the club's YouTube channel. Uh, so here's a small snippet of Ross Embleton post-match yesterday. What positions are you looking to strengthen? Well, I think it's a collective, really, Dave. I think there'll be some freshening up of the squad. I think a um, big part of the situation that we were in after lockdown was you know, a lot made about the fact the players were in contract and we had a settled squad. I think what that's going to look like now as we come into January is there's people that are not in the team, people that are not playing at the moment, certainly people that are up and out of contract at the end of the season that need to think about their futures, you know. One of my messages to the players there is that we can do something really special this year. We're not far away from pushing and getting in and around the playoffs. So let's not look back on that as a in years to come and say we let ourselves down because that's what I think we're doing at the moment. And when I say we, I say me because I know people will be pointing their fingers at me naturally. But I think as a group, we should be doing more. We let ourselves down. We should be winning more games of football. We should be in a better position in the league but for, for, for reasons that we've just discussed in there in terms of being having that little bit more conviction and a little bit more focus, we're letting ourselves down. So I think the long way round to answering your question is that the people are going to be out of contract in the summer and some people that, you know, are going to be looking at their futures in January. And collectively, as a whole group, having a good season, being in and around the playoffs, all the things that I've just said there, it's going to benefit everyone. It's going to benefit me because people won't moan when we get beat point their finger at me and, and, and I'll be classed as a better coach and a better manager it will benefit individuals and it will benefit us as a whole club if, if we can get that focus back and show that like we have on many occasions like we did at times today that when we play at our best there's not many teams in the league that can live with us but you can't just keep talking about when we're at the best we need to do it when we're not quite as you know at that, at that very very uh, top level that you know not every team can perform at every week so that was Ross Embleton speaking to Dave Victor post-match and in particular we've picked out about transfer window and changes and Steve, I think it's fair to say, I mean we'll probably cover it in both of our views, that there will be a few changes come January. You would expect so, you would definitely expect so. Interesting um, post-match from Ross there, I think he's mentioned in a few tweets but he mentioned about areas of the pitch not being that good to pass in and he did mention about Liangle not really the right side being his strongest, which he got a bit of criticism for. I don't know if we've included the tweets in there, but an interesting interview there from us, well worth listening to. I think that's probably as straight as what we've heard Ross sound yeah, agree. post-match yeah. in quite a while. So if I you agree. get some late minutes, go and listen to it. Thank you for today, Big Duck, for sending that over 
to us. So league table, that means we slipped to 12th in the league. So now we've played 19 games. We've won eight, we've drawn three, we've lost eight, 27 points and still a positive goal difference of plus four. So for me, again, a really disappointing match. We looked lethargic at points, lacklustre at points. And the really irritating thing is that Crawley seemed to want it more, mm. which I could take losing to a better team and I could take losing to individual bits of skill. But when teams seem to want it more and push themselves a bit harder, that's what... Um, gets on my nerves a little bit. I've, I've no the angle for me can't play on the right forward. Well, I don't think the best. We're not going to see the best of him until he gets central. But then with Danny Johnson in a four-three-three, no one's going to budge Johnson out of the team. JMD, if JMD is passed, went to a player who then kicks it out. We're not even talking about misplaced JMD pass. So it's a bit unfortunate for JMD that his misplaced pass leads to their second goal. But he had what, 20 minutes? We didn't really see him do much, but then if you're a fan of James, you're going to say, well, he's had no football, he's only had 20 minutes thrown on. Uh, but the frustrating part for me is that, you know, in this podcast, we've spoken about two games that we all expected to win and that we think we're good enough to win. And we're talking about two 2-1 defeats, just to poor defending and not really playing as well as what we'd like to. And for me, you know, I think things have to change in that respect. Interesting, again, to hear what Ross has had to say and it'd be interesting to see what team he goes with on Saturday, whether he crushes it up, does he change formation, does he bring a few new players in? So I think a few a few big calls for us to make going into next Saturday's next Saturday's Boxing Day game. Mr Lee, what are your views? Well, quick question for you, Steve, about, about the point that you just made there. I mean, in terms of formation, do you think if we switch to a 4-4-2 with Leanne Goh and Danny Johnson up top, with then a midfield four of whoever you think should be in the midfield four, do you think that will still yield the same amount of goals and chances we're getting for the likes of Danny Johnson? I don't think you'd get any less, mate. Right. Would be my honest answer. I think Bro- I mean, Brophy you still have on the left, who seems to be the most creative player. Anyway, on the right, you'd have JMD uh, or Dayton, I guess. Connor Walkinson is an option to go up top, although he's currently injured. And then in the middle, you've got anyone out of Wright, Joby, Hector, Clay, Boos. Um, so the op- options are there, but I think Ross, I think Ross, and the team work so hard on their four-three-three, and it's drilled into them. I don't think he'll unfortunately change it, but I don't think four-four-two would hurt. Mm, yeah, no, I, I'm inclined you? to agree. No, I'm inclined to agree with you. I think a four-four-two with a midfield of of Joby and um, see it's difficult because the three gives us the three midfielders that you could have as Hector or Us as a defensive holding while Craig and Joby can push forwards and, and, and create a, a front five if you like um, but but equally adept at going 4-5-1 when we're coming back I mean it's a lot of work for the left and right attacking forwards but I think 4-4 four, four... Ross has almost got too many options yeah well, that's the thing. That's the problem that we outlined at the very beginning of the season, where we've got a 24-25 man squad. You've literally got more, well more than two first team teams, really. So you're not going to get the best. You're going to have to leave players on the bench, and you're going to have to leave players out of the squad altogether. And there's going to be a lot of players that are not getting a lot of minutes, and they're going to get annoyed and frustrated and want to play. And it's a nice headache to have, but it can also be a bad headache to have. And also then trying to find the rhythm and the flow with a settled side. It, you know, a settled side does seem to do a lot better, in my view, than a, a constantly changing side. And I think that's 
no, not specifically data driven, but from from the experiences that we've had as Orient fans, you see a settled side does a lot better. Um, it's an interesting dilemma. It's an interesting dilemma because Joby would be the first one on the spot, and who would be in in the midfield, and who would be the second? Um, you know, he showed the other week that he he outruns that defender against. Um, Newport. Newport, thank you. Um, so, you know, he's got he's got the burners in him still, Joby. Um, so, but then, so potentially you could go on the right wing, and you could then have Clay and one of Cease uh, or, or Kipriano in, in in the midfield with him. And as you say, James Brophy on the left. Um, but again, we're not football managers. I don't know all the semantics and the positives and negatives, uh, you know, that, that go with all that. But my views, uh, I hate losing. Absolutely hate losing, especially when we're not showing effort and desire that we should do to be beating teams like Crawley, in my opinion. And that's where the levels of inconsistencies are creeping into our games, have crept in and have probably bedded in and grown roots there, unfortunately. Two games this week that we really should have won or at least got a point out of. If you're looking ahead prior to the Newport game, you're looking at Newport, Morecambe and Crawley. You're thinking probably at least four or six points out of those two, out of those three games. Probably not against Newport, but you'd probably think maybe a draw at Morecambe and a win against Crawley. So you ought to yeah. be thinking, in my opinion, if you're looking at it ahead retrospectively now as it is, but in you know in hindsight, we ought to be taking more points than than we have done. Um, and instead of talking about. Um, one loss and 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 either a win and a draw or, or or whatever. We're talking about one win and two losses. But how does it go from? It's really topsy turvy. How do we go from beating the league leaders to to losing to Morecambe and and and, and Crawley Town? And 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 the underpinning of that is inconsistency, a lack of desire from what we can see on the pitch. It may be, maybe it may not be. Um, but it's just not enough going into it. We're switching off. We're not clinical enough in each box at each at each pivotal time. And I think I, I can't put my finger on how you can be great for 20 minutes and then absolutely substandard for the next 70, 75 minutes. I don't, I don't understand what's going on. There, there must be something going on at the training ground amongst the playing squad that, that is causing this. Um, it, it just, I think, as you can probably tell, it's, it's just really, really frustrating at the moment. I think a lot of fans are frustrated as well. But again, you know, it's not, you know, you look at yesterday's results. Newport got beaten uh, 4-2. Barrow beat Cheltenham 2-0. I mean, this league is ripe for the taking. And as has been said before, we haven't got the Plymouths. We haven't got the Swindons of last season. You know, they're gone from this league. So, you know, it's really up for up for grabs. And um, it's, it's just a shame that we're not well positioned enough to be able to take a advantage of that and I think as, as we've alluded to before you know you're going to see two three maybe four players moved on in January but our recruitment that we bring in absolutely needs to significantly improve the squad it can't just be like for like they've really got to be good quality signings for us to freshen the squad up and give us a good chance of, of cementing well first of all improving our performances on the pitch and um, putting a rocket up the players that think they might have a consistent starting place and, and that the shirt is theirs to lose because it's not. But all of this being said, we are still only three points and a bit of goal difference off of being in the in, in the playoffs. That's how crazy and inconsistent it is that you can lose two games, drop out the playoffs, but still only be three points away from it. Um, and as these are my final views of the year, I just wanted to mention something that I recall saying when uh, Ross was appointed. I remember us saying that 
you know, after the, you know, the summer that we'd had and whatnot with, with, with the COVID and whatnot, um, that Ross is going to need two or three transfer windows to reshape the squad. So January, um, you know, is going to be a pretty pivotal time in the summer again as well. There's a lot of players out of contract. Um, I don't know who you're going to keep. I don't know who you'd want to keep out of the current players. But I think anybody who is out of contract ought to be having a good, strong look at themselves in the mirror saying, do I really want to be at Orient or not? Do I really want to be playing for a well-run club, a well-supported club, a club that pay you on time, a club that are basically one of the best clubs to probably be at? I think the summer, I don't, I think you'll see two or three in Jan. I think it would be silly if we didn't think two or three would come in Jan. I think the summer is the big, big wind of change for Orient. I think there's a lot of players who are out of contract. I also think there's a lot of players who clubs would like to keep who aren't going to be able to afford to keep. So I think there's going to be a lot of talent out there in the summer. Yeah. Um, and due to COVID, some players who wouldn't necessarily have been available will become available. Um, so I think the summer is the pivotal moment of change. I, I wouldn't expect that many to move on in Jan. I think once a player comes out of contract, I think it becomes a risk for them to go out on loan in Jan for the player in case they get injured or in case they don't have a good spell somewhere. I mean, we saw it with James Amarby where he just wouldn't go last season. He just knew that it was better for him to not do anything at Orion. He'd rather not do anything, pick up a paycheck and then get a move in the summer because he knew he wasn't risking anything by not playing football and he wasn't going to get injured. So I think we won't see a mass exodus of players without contract leave the club. No, I, I, I agree. There won't be a mass exodus. As I say, I think you probably have between sort of two and four players that will go. But conversely, if you don't go out on loan, you're not putting yourself in the shop window. So yeah, the risk is that 50% of that risk is that you might go out either not do well or get injured at that club and then lose that opportunity. But then you've got to look at it from a, from a positive perspective that you're going to go out on loan to put yourself in the shop window of a potential future club or employer. And if you have a blinder of a loan spell that you then get signed. Um, no, no, no disrespect to the conference, but James Alarby plays barely any football in two years, gets, gets a move to Brom. Like The players who leave Lane Oil will end up in the National League. Agreed. Like, you know, Dayton who we all expect to leave. He's got two promotions on his CV. He'll he, he'll get snapped up very quickly by a National League club at the top end. So would other players who you imagine who will be released. I don't think any players will will struggle. I don't I don't think many will end up back in League Two, but that's the beauty of football, isn't it? That, yeah. that is the beauty of football. I guess we will wait and see what happens there. Absolutely. We had a huge amount of feedback after this match again, so thanks to everybody who got in touch with us. Um, again, we try and read out as many as we can, but just because we read them, it doesn't mean we agree with them. And as I was putting these in the plan, I mean, it's, it's obviously not very positive. So <laughs> fast forward about five or ten minutes if you don't want to hear this. Brilliant. Leon often started the tweet, said, I was calling for JMD, but he's had two touches. He gave the ball away twice, and the last one led to their winning goal. Maybe this is the reason he hasn't been getting a game. <laughs> yeah, probably. David Reichard 80 said, Has their keeper had to make a save today, apart from the own goal? We have been poor all game and lost to a poor team that we have made to look like playoff contenders. There was a point late on in the game where Crawley were literally playing one touch of late football and I was really getting wound up because we were making them look superb. Sunshine, LOFC said, The poor substitutions and tinkering with formation has cost LOFC the game. In other words, poor management has cost that game. 
Orient it is, says, has Glenn Morris ever had an easier afternoon's work at Brisbane Road? Not to worry, though. We have top of the table Cambridge, then an informed South End next. No more points in 2020 based on the last few performances. But it's so Orient that we will go out and get some points. It's so Orient that we're going to beat Cambridge and then lose to South End. Yes. See, yes. Paul underscore LT, two pieces. Poor, poor, poor. This squad needs a massive clear out. Too many passengers and non-league standard players. I mean, it's quite it's quite sad in a way because these players were being lauded as heroes a, a year and a half ago for getting this club out of the league. And now most of them are being slated. I mean, they'll always be remembered, but it is turning a little sour towards some of these players. Yes, it's, but we, you know, you talk, you're comparing two very different leagues now, and and some yeah, of them of haven't, some of them have not stepped up and adapted and and put themselves through a process mentally where they're able to give a hundred percent, a hundred percent of the time, and that's that's what we're seeing out on the pitch now. John W nine 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 said that was really uh, really dire. So many insipid performances like this amongst the good ones. We just never look like scoring in games like this. There has to be a different pattern of play, a different shape when things are going against us. He actually owes. We never won a second ball. We were overrun by harder working teams on a regular basis. And that should never, ever, ever happen. There should be no one harder working than our players. In my opinion, it goes back to effort and desire. There should never, ever be anybody that outworks us, ever, in my opinion. I can't imagine that we're one of the lower-paying clubs in the, in the division either. I don't know what the average salary is, but I can't imagine that Crawley players are earning more than us. So, I think I, um, something that I've noticed in certain games is that last season when Usito was on loan, he ran after every ball, and we were lording this lion, yeah. this charging lion. And now, like, I've been, we didn't mention it in the match highlights because it was a nothing shot. But at one point early in the first half, where I think it was Matthews just beats him to a ball that he had no right to win and gets his shot away, goes wide. And you're thinking, Oost, mate, come on, wake yeah. up a little bit. Come he, on, mate. He has been nothing short of a disaster, in my opinion, in the longer term. He started okay this season, really rated him. Last season, obviously, it goes without saying, we all wanted him in the building. He had another offer from another club as well. So it'd have been interesting had we have not got him, but obviously we have got him, and we, we we now seem to be carrying him at times. I don't know, I don't understand again why was he just playing for a contract? Have we been duped? There is a player in there. We know there is because we saw it. So why can he not be more consistent? Considering he's the linchpin of the squad because he plays in front of the back four, he sees the whole game play out in front of him. Yeah, he's, he's not getting his foot in. He's not reading. He's not tracking. Not doing the basics, he's not working hard enough, and it's very, very frustrating to watch. Casey Adams, LOFC, said, Don't want to upset the fan base that for some strange reason can't take any criticism of Ross, but today was down to him and the rest of the management. Tactically, that is as backwards as it gets. There's no two ways about that. Ryan Peanuts had lost the last two games to teams that are solid and have outworked us. Got so many passengers in the team, and we'll take mid table now, hopefully, COVID. We'll call the season off. Come on, Ryan Peanut, cheer up. I don't think the season's getting called off, mate. SR Barber, 1986. Considering what happened Tuesday night, there was no reaction at all, which is a great point. So flat, Brophy spent most of the time on the floor and Crawley wanted it more, which is not good enough. Yeah, lots of you know tweets about desire, outworking, yeah. you know, hard work. Boatsy said, really miss Wilkinson's work rate and desire to get on the ball. So disappointing. I mean, good point. I did think we missed Wilkinson today. Or yesterday, should I say? But then one player, 
one player can't be that important to the to, to the team because no no one is greater than the sum of all parts. You know, it can't it just can't be that way. Someone should be able to come in, have that desire to say, okay, he's out the squad now. I'm gonna make that I'm gonna make that spot mine. He's not getting that spot back off me easily. From my, in my opinion, that's the mentality of, of how it should be, but it doesn't seem to be that way. Or that's how it should be. That's how yeah. it should be. But if you took out Danny Johnson, Joby McEnough, uh, Connor Wilkinson, and Lawrence Vigory from this team, I think you're looking at a very well, national league. Team. You're looking at a national league side square in the face. Orient underscore Ed said, seriously annoyed, especially with Ross. Why is he taking off our left back and dropping Brophy there when we're not winning? Old mistakes are back, and it's downhill from here if it keeps happening. 1965, 1881. Was Cissé actually playing? A poor team performance, no energy, no structure, no nothing, poor ball retention, hopeful long balls, misdirected headers that are tired and beaten at the end. Uh, Willow Gaffer said, We carried on from Tuesday awful. Didn't create one single chance with Danny Johnson on, ex- on non-existent due to poor service. We got what we deserved, nothing. Ross Embleton haters are going to be out in force, but brings it on himself. Bad sub, and it seems we can't play any other formation. Get another man up top. MS Orient said, very, very disappointed with that. We offered absolutely nothing the whole game. Crawley deserved a win. We were pathetic and toothless. Our strength and depth is supposed to be there. Subs offered nothing. Brophy moving to left back is a disgrace. It was awful. O's fan base and said, ridiculous decision to take Woodison off. So there's obviously a real theme here. Yet JMD lost the ball again, but a massive gap down that side. And they were getting on top before that, and the right winger was useful. Had to get more solid, and you don't do that by taking your fullback off. Too many square pegs put in round holes. Rainy days, garbage, deserve to lose. To all those moaning at Cissé, look what happens without him. I mean, that's a good point in Cissé's defence. Most of those players can be shipped out in January based on that performance. Disgraceful, appalling. Brovey diving all the time is an embarrassment. Where was his speed for their goals? We ask him uh, in his interview about yeah, that later on, up. so that is coming up. Ian Hutchinson, 08, said, Woeful. Can we stop hoofing the ball up to 5'10 DJ and expect him to hold it up against 6'plus defenders? Last week's second half, the ball was played into him for him to hold up. We're so much better than the long ball team. Subs are key and make the difference. Not subs, game changes, as Justin Edinburgh used to say. Yeah. Veggie Jones, shame not to capitalise on the Newport win. Target is now seven points from the next three. It's tough, but needed to stay on coattails of the playoffs. We've targeted four points from the last two games, though, so ground needs to be made up over the next three games. It's time for the team to dig deep. Steve Adams, 48, said, Crawley with a better team. No complaints about the result. We lack composure on the ball nearly all afternoon. Can't think of one decent pass to Danny Johnson that gave him a chance. Good point, to be fair. Dear Stoops, it's not good enough. Getting quite annoying now. We get back into it before half-time, luckily, and that should have been the kick up the bum for the second half, but instead, we were worse. Subs brought on too late, and when brought on, why not change it to a 4-4-2 and go for it? Come on, Ross. Orient Ballbag said, playing at home, we've got to do better than that. Obviously, Newport was a one-off. Their keeper had nothing to do but pick the ball out of the net once. And that sums up our performance. Big clear-up needed in the summer. Also getting a bit concerning now that the defence keeps switching off and giving away soft goals. Ross needs to have some structure to his subs, not just throw a load of attackers on thinking that should be enough to get us a goal. 
LOFC fan too. So CSA Brophy and McEnough cannot carry the team. As much as I like Johnson, he needs to get more involved and stop complaining every time defenders beat him to it. If you watch him, all he does is complain. Get on with it. I mean, I've not noticed that, but I'll, yeah. I'll be looking out for it now. I will be as well. Gorillas1985 said, trying to find some positives from today. All I will say... No one in this league is guaranteed promotion. Newport lose at home to Oldham. Oldham shows how open this league is. Two wins in the next two games could put us right back in the mix. We're still in the hunt for the playoffs. Like your optimism. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Vince Howard, 73, says players lack motivation against teams that they regard as inferior. That is a great point. As a club, we are too nice. We always have been. And players know they will get away with it here. Nothing will change. And so we get another manager akin to Justin. Tom D. Simmons underscore Tom said in the penultimate word this week, very poor in all aspects. Put simply, things haven't really improved over the last 12 months. If Ross can't get better quality performances than that out of this group of players, either a major overhaul of the squad is needed or someone else needs to be considered for the top job. And the final word and the final tweet of the On and Out of Podcast 2020 goes to Terence Coates too. It was very flat football. Everyone looked too tired to put in a shift. Very slow, very lethargic. The sub-choices were understandable, but I feel they should have happened 20 minutes sooner to have the desired impact. Why, oh why, are we so inconsistent great question there do you agree or disagree with any of the tweets and opinions that we've read out let us know what you think you can tweet us as you probably know by now at or in outlook you can email us orientoutlook at outlook.com if you're not on social media that's absolutely fine we're also on instagram orient underscore outlook underscore podcast and search orient outlook podcast on facebook and you'll find us there yeah, absolutely. So, Design Cappy Prediction League update. It's a well done to Orient 0546-6480 at O's Fan Basing and at Poplar 32. They all predicted 2-1 and no one predicted the own goal. So, you all get three points. Meaning, top of the Prediction League at the end of 2020 on the pod. 19 points. Dan Alton leads the way, 2590. 17 points in second place at O's Fan Basing. He's had a good week. And at Wadsey. And 16 points, speed cross 95, David Landau 17, and at George Gerks. The full prediction league table was up on our Facebook page. And thank you for everyone who predicted over the last week. Absolutely. So that concludes our two games against Morecambe and Crawley Town. We're now going to move on to Sunday, the 20th of December, in the ladies' match against Cambridge City was called off following guidance from the Women's National League, as most areas, as you probably know now, after yesterday's announcement, have been put into Tier 4. Yeah, absolutely. So, in the late afternoon today, 4pm, we were lucky enough to catch up with O's left-sided dynamo man, Mr James Brophy. We asked him all about the season so far, the week that was, the inconsistency of the team, yesterday's game, and what his favourite Christmas song is. And I'm still not convinced that he's not had us on here, Paul. I've got to be honest. Right. So we've got a great interview coming up with James Brophy. And here's what James had to say earlier in the day. So, James, welcome to the Orient Outlook podcast. It's been a good few weeks for you. You scored the winners uh, in recent games. You scored the winner away to Paul Bell in that terrific game, which we won. And then you followed that up at home to Newport in last week's game. Um, so how, how were those games for you? Um, yeah, very different. Um, Port Vale away to Newport home. 
Um, very, very different game. I think um, Port Vale away, I thought we, we started quite well um, from what I remember. Um, second half, we, we come out a bit slow, um, allowed them back into the game. Um, probably sat back too deep, too early um, to try and kill the game off. They got back in the game. And then um, I think at the end, end of the game, yeah, we kind of we kind of just nabbed the winner. You could call it that. Whereas um, Newport at home, I felt, um, first of all, it was great to have the crowds back in. I thought that was a, that was a massive game changer for us, even with the 2000. Um, it was just so refreshing. Um, and even coming out the other day, the first time then, with no crowd, you could, you could immediately sense the difference. Um, but I thought we played well uh, for the majority of the game in Newport. And we, we, showed, um, we showed where we can be when we, when we play to our best. The crowd is quite a big deal for you as players then is that because you're used to having them there and now you're not or is it just because you're playing in a silent stadium essentially yeah yeah I think um, I I don't know how every player is but myself um, almost when 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 the crowd's there when you start the game you don't you don't notice them as much as you think you would um, the noises but then when they're not there you know, it's massively that they're not there. Yeah, the quietness to the place. So it's not so much that when they're there, you hear everything they say, you hear an atmosphere. Um, but when they're not there, you sense nothing. There is no atmosphere. Yeah, you have to really, you have to really drive yourselves. And I think Newport, for us, they were massive in driving us towards towards a victory. And a great victory it was. So you spoke yeah. about the fans and you've been um, quite the talking point amongst the fan base this season obviously you played uh, left back and you play left wing further forward what role does James Brophy prefer playing in? <laughs> um, yeah I, I have this a lot um, and I always answer the same thing I don't know if people think I'm lying but I honestly couldn't care less where I play as long as I'm out on the pitch I'm still I'm still a kid when it comes to football as long as as long as somebody's playing me, um, I couldn't care less if you play me centre-half, to be honest. Um, I think there's pros and cons to both positions for me. Um, some people prefer me there, some people don't. Um, like I said, I think think when I'm, when I'm playing on the wing, um, it's a lot harder for me to get on the ball. And I think some games we, we almost maybe miss out in the midfield. Um, so I have to work a lot harder to get myself involved in the games. Having said that, however, I'm then nearer nearer their goal already playing on the wing. So I do feel like I'm maybe to able to contribute a bit more when I do get on the ball because I'm nearer to their goal. Um, whereas left back, I feel like I get a lot more of the ball. Um, I'm already facing their goal, so I don't have to do much to get on the ball. Um, but then obviously with that comes more defensive responsibility, which um, I know a lot of fans question. Well, they're two very different roles, aren't they? Um, I... I... We, we've, we, it's been discussed quite a bit. I think the last player we moved from left mid to left back was Charlie Daniels, who went on to have a pretty sustained and decent career in the Premier League with Bournemouth. So it, it can work, but they are two very, very different roles. So how do you switch, particularly in a game like yesterday, where you were moved from further up the pitch back? Yeah. Um, which like I, that, think, I think when it's during a game, it's more difficult um, because obviously you're, you're in one mindset. Um, and then you have to change yourself, and you have to you have to change your mindset to to what is the the priority responsibility. Um, and in a game that that is sometimes difficult because you're so you're so caught up in the game and what you've been doing that you then have to switch your mentality to to 
to maybe less aggressive and more defensive um, being a higher priority. Um, I think before game, um, when I know I'm playing in one position, it's, it's, it's easier um, to understand what, what you need for me. I think it all it all just depends on what type of football you see yourself playing. Um, I'm a kind of left-back that some managers would prefer and some managers wouldn't, depending on the style of play they want to play. So I think it is very dependable on how you see your your team playing football. So we've obviously spoken about kind of your goals in November. Let's, we spoke about Newport. Let's speak about the week that was at Orient. We had a difficult away game against Morecambe where we took the lead, played really well early on and obviously lost that 2-1. And that was followed yeah. up yesterday's game in a disappointing 2-1 defeat. What, what, what have your views been on, on the week that was? Um, personally, I think if you, if you look at our our goals from the last two games um, have come from a, from a clear idea of how we want to play football. Um, both goals, especially the Morecambe um, goal, shows where we get back to run uh, the ball from from our keeper up the pitch very cleanly, um, not having to fight, not, not, not really any fight balls. We get up very quickly, very smoothly, people being patient in their positions um, and moving the ball very quickly. And I think likewise um, yesterday um, was the same type of thing where, where we get the ball on the floor back from back to front very quickly um, and then expose, expose teams. I think sometimes then in games we come away from that, from what we've done so well um, yeah. and make, it, make it harder for ourselves. Um, Can you put I'm, not sure, I'm not sure subconsciously if there's a kind of... Um, Look, people, people have this stigma that if you play a certain type of way, that it is risky. For me, I'm, I'm the opposite. Um, if you're looking to dominate the ball and keep the ball on the floor, um, if you look at probability, there's no reason why playing a five-yard pass on the floor rather than playing a 50-yard ball in the air up the pitch, there is more risk. So for me... The less risk is actually playing football because when you go longer, quicker in the air, you're almost flipping a coin. You might win it, you might not win it, you don't know. Um, so I think subconsciously there is a stigma attached to that kind of football and sometimes we feel maybe not safe um, when we're leading or when a team sees that we're dominating the ball and then become more aggressive in their press and try and press us higher up the pitch and then we we try and miss out the press um, by going longer quicker. But then we, ha we have to make sure that our detail is better in when we go longer, when we're missing the press. Because they, not, not every team can completely dominate the ball for 90 minutes of the game. You have spells throughout the game and you have to weather them. And I just don't think we've weathered the spells well enough this year. When we've dominated, we haven't been ruthless enough um, to finish our chances to put the game to bed. And then when we've had to weather the storms, we haven't weathered them well enough either. I think you actually hit the nail bang on the head, to be fair. And it's nice to hear a first-team player that's obviously involved and able to impact these to, to actually say what we're seeing as fans as well. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's super interesting. And I guess it's just a question of why does that happen? And I guess if we knew the answer to that, we'd be top of the league with zero losses. Yeah, and I think you... you, you, you look, we're not at the, the top level of the game. There, there is a lot higher levels at the game that play football at a lot better level but even even when you 
resonate with them games. No, no team is able to dominate the ball throughout the game. Um, if you, when you are dominating, finish your chances, um, it kills off the other team. So then when you have to weather the storm, you're not weathering as much of a storm because the game is almost already to bed. Um, however, in football, when, when you miss a chance or you're not ruthless enough and then they get in their spell, if the scoreline reflects that they're still in the game, it feels a lot worse than it actually is. Um, so I think, yeah, I think that is that is the frustrating thing at the moment for us because when when we are dominating the ball, playing well, we look a great team and it's a really enjoyable experience to be involved in. Um, I, th- I, I honestly do think we're, we're a very, very good team when we're with the ball. But then, having said that, when we have to weather the storms sometimes, um, we just don't do it well enough at all. We go. We've seen, we go. We've, we've seen this division. Anyone could beat anyone on their day. Yeah. Oldham beat Newport yesterday. We beat Newport last week. Morecambe beat. Like everyone's beating everyone. We've got three games coming up over the Christmas period where we go away to Cambridge. We've had a quite a good season so far, but our only night not too far away from us. Then we've got Southend, who three weeks ago you'd be saying, "Well, Southend looks like a home banker," but Southend have really turned it around in the last couple of weeks. Then we finish the festive period by welcoming Salford, who you would expect would be up there or thereabouts. What? How difficult is the Christmas period with the games coming thick and fast? And what, what, what are you looking for in that Christmas period? Yeah, um, yeah. the Christmas period is, is always hard. I enjoy it because um, being a football fan growing up, um, Christmas period is where the most games are, so it's enjoyable to watch. Um, it's hard when you're a player because there is a, there is a quick turnaround between each game, so there is... There is no really no time to lull on the previous game if it's gone well, if it's gone bad. There is no time to lull. Um, and that's why a lot of people say the Christmas period kind of defines a lot of people's seasons and how they come out of it um, to where they were before because there's so many games. And it, it's a chance It's a chance to build some momentum. Um, when you've got that quantity of games in a short space of time, there, there are a lot of points available um, so you can come out of it looking very well, or you can come out of it looking very badly, and I think that's why that's why it's a big it's a big moment for us in this season um, to gain some momentum. We we've we've already touched on the league being inconsistent. Uh, we're no exception to that. We completely appreciate that. So in terms of the season aims for for the team, and I guess for you personally, where would you like to see? Or in ending up, where do you where do you actually genuinely think that we could end up, given the state of the league and the clubs and as Steve said, everyone beating everyone? And then I guess for you personally, what would your personal aim be? Get more goals or just playing as much um, as you can? How does that look for you? Yeah, so I think as a as a team aim, um, for for me, there's no reason why we shouldn't be hitting playoffs um, this year. I think um, with the season how it is, with everything going on. Um, impacted. There is no better opportunity for a club to, to almost take advantage of the pandemic um, to, to push themselves as high as they can um, and hit hit playoffs. When we've had the the consistency we have from from the club, from the higher up in the club, the consistency down um, to ensure we have a good season. There is no reason why we can't be hitting hitting the playoffs. Um, my personal aim is to. It's a really just, I don't really 
set myself too much of a personal goal to to almost help the team as much as I can. I think, um, yeah, like you said, the last couple of weeks I've been able to notch up a couple of goals. Um, I think I need to add more of that to my game um, and keep help assisting goals um, to drive the team on to more wins. But um, I think we have a, a have a real good opportunity this year if we cut out um, the sloppiness and kind of create some consistency and momentum in our performances. Um, yeah, to hit that top seven. And to finish, then obviously this is our Christmas special episode. We can't let you go without finding out what James Brophy loves about Christmas. So, what do you love about Christmas? As a footballer on Christmas Day, can you eat what you want, or are you thinking about the game on Boxing Day? And also, what is your favourite Christmas song? Because I'm sure <laughs> all the listeners are going to want to know what James Brophy's getting down to on Christmas Day. Um, well. But before I was a footballer, I loved going out at Christmas. It was my favourite yes. time to go out. Um, Christmas Eve was always a great night to go yeah, out. Yeah, eighteen to twenty-one. Before while I was playing non-league, <laughs> Christmas Eve was a very was a very enjoyable night. Um, not so much anymore. Um, I think um, for me personally, I think when you get older, Christmas is more more about going out rather than the presents. I think the presents are more of a younger generation for the kids. Um, so the fact that I can't go out now, I, I focus on the football a lot. I enjoy I enjoy being able to play football and I enjoy the amount of games that are on TV, watching the games um, with my family. I think it's a, it's a time where everyone comes closer together, family and friends-wise, which is a nice feeling. Um, I used to enjoy, obviously, all the family and friends coming to the games around Christmas, which was a very enjoyable experience. And then um, favourite song, I'm not sure what it's called, I keep playing it. Um, I keep playing yeah. it in the radio and the yeah. car. And my partner, yeah. it, I've managed to wrangle my partner around to enjoying it. It's the one that goes, um, Rudolph the Red Nose Reindeer. <laughs> that one. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what it's called, though. I keep playing it. Has it got a beat to it? Uh, let me try and find it. Can I? Can I play? Here we go. Can I play songs on this? Of course you can. Go for it. Well, we're going to second snippets, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it hasn't got anything. No, that's not it. Oops. No, it's the one that goes, uh, Rudolph the Red Nose Reindeer Had has a little shiny nose. And <laughs> if you ever saw it, you would even say it glows. That one. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. It's cool, though. Karaoke on the, uh, or on the podcast. Amazing. I just went on Spotify and it's got about 20 of the same song. Yeah, exactly. Which, but which this is a podcast first that we've had a player singing on the podcast. We might have to make yeah. this a regular feature. <laughs> yeah, good luck getting any of the up boys to sing. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't hear Lawrence Vigaru sing because he sent us a message and his voice is very, uh, very slick. Yeah, get him, get, him, get, him to, get him to sing in Spanish. <laughs> Oh, good shout. Oh, he, doesn't stop he doesn't stop mentioning that he can speak Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> James, thank you very much indeed for giving up your Sunday uh, yeah, to have a quick chat with us. Good thank luck you. for the rest of the season in case we Absolutely. don't speak to you. Stay safe and, uh, yeah, we wish you every success for the rest of the season. Thanks very much. Thank you. It's really enjoyable. Thank you. So that is a very first on this Orient Outlook podcast. <laughs> Uh, that a player is singing Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and not knowing the name of the track. And we, I mean, I wasn't sure if it had like a... Well, I'm going to keep stunned because maybe I'm going to sound a bit thick here, but whether it's one of those songs that had a different name to it. But I wasn't quite 
on the same wavelength there, or, or he was tricking us. I wasn't sure if there was a trick there. It's only a bit to name that shoe um, <laughs> in the end of that pot, in, in the end of that interview. But a massive thank you to James Brophy, a very nice bloke. First time we've actually interviewed him, I think, on the podcast, and yes. really new. And I think a really listening back to it now, that was a really honest interview. Um, yeah, a really good interview because he was very honest with what he said in terms of the performances and the inconsistencies. But thank you to James for doing that interview. Thank you to Luke and Dan at the club for sorting that out. And we hope you enjoyed that and found it found it useful. So we're getting on now a bit. We're, we are past 10pm. Time to wrap this up. We have a few more Christmas messages. We've got two more coming up right now from the board. First one coming is from Leighton Orient CEO, Mr Danny Macklin. Good evening, Stephen Paul. As we near the end of another year, I want to say thank you for all of the massive amount of hard work that goes on behind the scenes, the hours and hours of preparation for every show that allows Orient fans around the world another opportunity to stay tuned and abreast of everything that is going on with the club. I want to take this opportunity to wish Merry Christmas in very difficult circumstances to every single Orient fan across the world. Uh, 2020 has clearly been an absolutely horrendous year, one that we will never, ever want to remember, but probably will never, ever forget. Let's look forward to 2021. Let's stay safe. Let's look forward to what we've got to look forward to. Uh, safe in the knowledge that soon, and hopefully soon, we'll be able to welcome those lovely things called fans back to the Brayer Group Stadium. In the meantime, stay safe, stay tuned to the streaming, and thank you once again for your phenomenal support throughout 2020. Here's to a more prosperous 2021. Up the O's. Thank you, Danny, and thanks for your support as well. Um, we, we are genuinely very grateful to you, and you've taken us on board um, as... Um, as CEO, so thank you, mate. We really appreciate that. So next up, we have the one and only, uh, again, director of the club, front of the podcast, Mr. Matt Porter. Hi, everybody. It's Matt Porter here. Just like to wish you and your families as good a Christmas as the circumstances will allow. It's been a difficult time in 2020, and obviously the football club has been affected in many ways. We've lost a lot of people from the Orient family, and we miss those and send out our sympathies to everybody who suffered as a result of the pandemic that we've been living through. One thing that's remained consistent, though, has been your support of the football club throughout, and for that we are genuinely grateful. It was good to have some of you back into the stadium recently, particularly to see that fantastic win over Newport County, and we hope we're able to do so soon into the new year. So once again, wish you a peaceful and enjoyable time as best as we can over the next few days, and let's hope to see you all back at Brisbane Road in 2021. All the best. Thank you, Matt. Hi, Thank you, Matt Porter, for that. Very grateful to you. Constant support to us throughout the six or seven seasons now, that six years, seven seasons that we've been doing this, uh, Matt and Danny. Merry Christmas to you both, and I hope you have a safe and enjoyable time as well. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Thank you for saying that, Mr. Levy. So, towards the end of the final podcast of 2020, time for fantasy football update. And Jamie Wellham currently leads the Orient Outlook podcast. Fantasy Football League ahead of Danny Bowden in second place. I'm in 47th place as it stands, or as we started recording. Who knows where the table is going to end up? But thanks to everyone who is involved in the On Outlook podcast, Fantasy Football League. Yeah, a couple of surprise results today with Leicester beating Spurs and Man U smashing Leeds 6 2, and Aston Villa beat West Brom 3 0. So, uh, it's, not, it's not only our league that's got a funny yeah, top to service side. So, positives. 
Uh, and negative, Steve. I think I did positives last week. Okay, I'll do the positive. Then, as yeah, to the, the one. Yeah. One positive this week. DJ's goal tally continues to rise and rise. 15 for the season. And you also heard a Christmas message from the Fox in the box, Danny Johnson. So only the one positive this week. Negatives then, Mr Levy? Yeah, we, we've obviously picked out quite a few. But um, the three that we're going to mention, obviously the two losses in a week are slipping out of the playoffs and down the table a little bit, despite us only being three points and a bit of goal difference away from being back in the playoffs. And obviously, as we've you know really mentioned, players underperforming. And just to come back to James Brophy's interview, you're right, he was really candid with us and really honest. And they know within the squad that there is a lack of consistency. They know they need to they need to do better and they need to play better. And some of them are genuinely playing for their football careers because, as has been mentioned, you know the clubs are on much lower budgets now. Those clubs that are going to be taking loans from the uh, EFL, as Nigel said, will not have as much transfer activity ability as those that don't take those loans. So, you know, there's going to be even fewer clubs out there that are going to be able to take on players come January and for the second half of this season. So it's going to be much tougher for those that aren't going to be picked up. It really is. So they ought to really use that as, 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 a, as a driving force for their performances and consistency to improve. So time for Heroes of the Week. So the final Heroes of the Week 2020. We've gone a bit uh, left field this week. We haven't given it to any players, but the Heroes of uh, the Week are... The club's Club. medical department. Are we going to award it to them, given the fact that there is literally nobody, I think, except for Miles Judd in there and Connor? There's only two in there and we'd... Uh... You know, we'd uh, we'd had quite a few in the uh, medical department treatment tables uh, recently, so it's good that there's been a huge clear out and that they are fighting fit again. Yeah, well done to everyone involved there in that department. So yeah. let's move on to the next two weeks' worth of fixtures. Just the one fixture next week, which comes on Boxing Day, Saturday the 26th of December. We travel up the M11 to Cambridge United. Cambridge started the season really well. They've kind of faded off in the last couple of weeks. They lost... 1-0 away to Bradford yesterday. But despite the loss, they're ninth in the table. But they have lost four out of the last five league games. In Paul Mullin, they have the only lead two forward who has got a better scoring record than Daddy Johnson, I yes. believe. Yes, so, that's, that is right. The, the difference between them... Well, actually, Max Waters now, having scored his goal yeah. yesterday, it's Paul Mullin so, on 16... Max Waters of Crawley Town on 13 and then Danny Johnson on 12. Three ahead of Matt Jay of Exeter City, who's in fourth, and also Jack Muldoon. But yeah, so uh, he's, he's keeping good company at the top there. Um, then on Tuesday, December the 29th, we're back at home. We've got the A12 derby against Southend. Southend haven't had a great start to the season. They're currently bottom of the league, but they had a massive overhaul in the summer and have started with a completely different squad and management team. But their last five results have shown improvement. They've only lost one, drawn two, and they've won two. They haven't lost in their last four consecutive games as they drew one all with Mansfield on Saturday. So a potential banana skin for us there. Yeah, then our first game in 2021, we host Salford City. That's on Saturday, the 2nd of January. Salford, many people's tips to go up. They're currently 7th in the league. They beat Harrogate away 1-0 yesterday. In their last five, they've won two, drawn two, and lost one. They're obviously managed by Richie Wellington to take Swindon up yeah. last season. That'll be a difficult game. Three difficult games coming up over the Christmas 
period, but ones we're hopeful that the O's can get results out of. Yeah, so just to finish this off then with a sponsorship reminder, don't forget for the best plastering and rendering prices around, visit AJF Plastering on Facebook or at Big Ads LOFC on Twitter for all of your plastering and rendering needs. So before this episode comes to its natural conclusion, we've got two Christmas messages left. The first one coming up from the third outlooker, the late United FC head coach, Mr. Ross Embleton. Good evening, everyone. Uh, listening to the Orient Outlook podcast, and Paul and Steve just wanted to uh, send a message to say Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year to everybody. Um, outstanding work, as always, that's done throughout the year by you both. And I think um, alongside a lot of Orient fans, we will um, continue to praise you for the um, message that you put out there and uh, the information that gets around to be shared by uh, by everyone in- involved in Leighton Orient. So uh, keep up the good work and thanks for everything you've done in the last year. Uh, it's been incredibly difficult, different, tough, emotional time for everybody, certainly in the last nine months as the pandemic has hit everyone. And I think coming into Christmas, it's a priority to reflect on the people that we've lost, uh, the people that have become ill, lost jobs, you know, have been really impacted throughout this this time. Uh, This is an important time to be able to reflect on that and hope that everybody tries to enjoy their Christmas in the uh, best and and I'm sure strangest of ways that that people are going to be doing so. Um, I think obviously from my perspective... There's a hell of a lot that's changed and a hell of a lot that's gone on um, throughout the last year. And, and certainly, as, as things have turned around, it's been incredibly tough to um, adapt, but at the same time, even tougher to experience football without the fans and how much the game has changed. Uh, and there's been some incredible moments already this season that we haven't been able to um, share with everybody, which, uh, which obviously makes that tough and extremely different for us all. But let's um, hope as the year turns, we can look forward, we can pro- uh, progress uh, and look towards the second half of a season to be a positive one. But as I, as I said earlier, the most important thing is that people stay healthy, people stay safe, look after your loved ones and try to enjoy your Christmas in the best way that you possibly can. Take care, everyone. Up the O's. Thank you, Ross. The third outlooker, very delighted to have you on uh, again and uh, hope you have a good Christmas and hopefully we can get some results and pick up our form. Much appreciated. Yeah, and for the final message of this episode, the final message of 2020, ladies and gentlemen, it can only be the one and only Vice Chairman, Principal Investor of Leighton Orient, Mr Kent Teague. Hello, all y'all. Wanted to wish everyone a joyful and love-filled festive holiday season. This has been a trying year for all of us, but the end is near in sight. All the best and up the O's. <laughs> love that. Such a lovely message. Thank you, Kent. Really appreciate you taking the time to send us that short message in. So that is it. Thank you very much indeed for joining us for episode number 229. It's been a tough 
seven days at the O's was, as we've lost two games in the past week that we all believe were winnable, causing many fans to ask questions about what's going on and why is there a lack of consistency in particular. The staff and players now have a week on the training ground to work on improving our results and with the Christmas period not being as manic as it usually is, hopefully we'll be able to pick up some good results, meaning in the next podcast, our first of 2021, we'll be feeling much, much happier. So if you're listening on iTunes, please subscribe, give the podcast a review. No reviews over the last two weeks. Come on, ladies and gentlemen, get in the festive vibe. We've given you an amazing podcast. Now it's time for you to give us an amazing, amazing review on iTunes. If you're listening on SoundCloud, Spotify, TuneIn or Stitcher, add us to your favourites. And that way you'll have all the podcasts available as soon as they are uploaded. We're also on all smart speakers. So if you're giving your friend or family or loved one a smart speaker, tell them about the Orient Outlook podcast. So a massive thank you to everyone who's not only sent in messages for this episode, but who's been involved with the podcast in 2020. It's been a rubbish year. It's been really tough for everyone. Hopefully this podcast has been, you know, a release and a happy outlet uh, for you all listening. I mean, we've not, we obviously couldn't get out as many as what we wanted to do during times uh, of lockdown, COVID, but we found a great way now to do it. I've not seen Paul. Paul, I've not seen you in about three months, mate. No. But you're still looking awesome. Likewise. doing this, not face-to-face, but we appreciate everyone who's been in contact. We appreciate everyone who's, emailed us, tweeted us, messaged us. Thanks to Adam and James for their continued support of sponsorship. Thank you to Dan and Luke for sorting out all the interviews in 2020. Thank you to Kent, Nigel, Ross, Danny, Matt, everyone at the club who's been involved with the podcast and who's come on. And we'll be back with episode 230 on Sunday the 3rd of January, so only two weeks. But this podcast should keep you company now for the next two weeks. That will have all the information and views that you could ever need. And as always, keep calm, have a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Stay safe, be kind to each other, and listen to the Orient Outlook podcast. Well said, Mr Nussbaum. I echo all of that. Up the O's. Up the O's.